starting today. We will not only be heard right here on 640 Toronto, but the show also being carried on 900 CHML in Hamilton and 980 CFPL London. Which, by the way, is very exciting for me personally. Because, first of all, growing up in Burlington, me and my family, we were huge, I mean huge, CHML listeners. Listening to the likes of Paul Hanover and John Hardy and Tom Charrington, just to name a few. So I am really, really honored and humbled to be on in Hamilton on CHML. And, well, what can I say about 980 CFPL? I mean, this is a homecoming for me, right? I mean, prior to coming here to Toronto, I spent uh, a couple of years on the air in London, 17 to be exact. And 980 CFPL is actually where I did my first ever radio talk show. So for those of you in London who have not heard me in a while, you might be surprised to discover that, uh, well, I really haven't improved all that much as a radio announcer. So maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's comforting. But uh, if you're coming back to the fold, it is a nice to have you along and welcome to our listeners in both Hamilton and London. Really glad to have you all on board with us here each and every day starting today. And speaking of London, that is where we're going to begin on this Tuesday after Justin Trudeau was hit by gravel thrown at him at a campaign event in the Forest City. That happened yesterday. One of the biggest uh, stories of the campaign so far, of course, has been these liberal rallies, the protests, which are seemingly turning more violent now. And here is Justin Trudeau uh, in Montreal uh, responding to uh, what happened to him uh, in London and having gravel hurled at him. A few misguided individuals who don't believe in science, who just want to watch things burn, are not going to make us flinch from doing the right thing. Trudeau labeling those protesters uh, anti-vaxxers and says that he will not uh, back down, will not be deterred from his uh, message. Let's uh, welcome in Kevin Godet, president of Brightpoint Strategy, formerly with the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. He joins us here on Global News Radio. Kevin, good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Sean October to you, sir. All right. Uh, good afternoon to you as well. Nice to speak with you. Uh, what did you make of uh, what you saw in London with uh, this gravel being uh, hurled at uh, Justin Trudeau and uh, some of the uh, Liberal Party members uh, on hand here? I mean, as I just mentioned a second ago, it looks and feels as if these uh, protests, which have been going on some time at these Liberal rallies, are getting more and more violent. Um, <clears throat> I'm not sure about more and more violence. Look, there, there's no doubt that uh, throwing things. Uh, I'm a free speecher. I'm a knee-jerk free speecher. However, uh, for me, free speech stops when it does two things. Well, in this case, it's not speech. It's actual violence. Uh, you know, one risks doing harm to either the prime minister or anybody else around, and that's not only negligent, harmful, dangerous. Um, I think the cause, do, people do themselves their own disservice, not to mention they probably should be moved out of the way and or prosecuted when they when they do those things. Um, I'm not sure if it's getting worse or not. It's clearly coordinated. Uh, the protesters clearly have obtained access somehow to the prime minister's schedule and routes and are dogging him rather persistently. Um, I'm not clear exactly if this helps the prime minister. I'm certain it doesn't help the protesters. Many of whom seem to be linked to and, and carry signs of the PPC, Maxime Bernier's party. Yeah, I was going to ask you, do we know exactly who these protesters are? Because uh, we have heard reports, seen reports that this is kind of uh, very organized, as you just mentioned, uh, Kevin, that this might not be 
necessarily just a, a grassroots thing going on in each and every campaign stop. Nothing's been made public uh, about officials officially owning or, or creating these, these protests. Um, there seem to be, you know, from looking at pictures and videos, a preponderance of consistent signage, PPC signs, other language on signs, vulgar signs, uh, which are similar from protest, if not the same from protest to protest. So maybe there's a handful of people also who are traveling. Uh, although I do remember seeing a good number of signs that involved uh, um, protests about the vaping restrictions that had put in place. Um, so I, I'm, I'm mindful that there may be a lot of so-called anti-vaxxers, but I'm, I'm not convinced they all are. There's clearly no doubt there are a lot of people or a good enough number of people who are unhappy with the prime minister and his government and are willing to take it on the road. But again, I'm not really clear what advantage that uh, those undertakings provide. And what do you think this means for our democracy overall, uh, Kevin? Because I know the other opposition and leaders have spoken out uh, time and time again about what they've seen uh, happening to the liberal campaign uh, right now. But when uh, people might, uh, you know, fear or they might start to uh, fear uh, for their own personal safety that all of a sudden they decide, well, I'm not going to go to a campaign event. I'm not going to hear a leader uh, speak or maybe a a candidate in a certain riding speak because I'm just fearful for my own uh, safety. Certainly that uh, is not great for democracy. I I share your opinion, Jeff, uh, about that. Um, You know, I would be hesitant to take for example, my 14-year-old daughter out to a liberal or, or Justin Trudeau rally. I just There's an element of risk that, not to be overly maudlin about it or concerned, because it just seems to be a risk that I would prefer to avoid. Um, and, I mean, these types of protests are, albeit rare, you know, they're not completely unheard of. Going back in the day, we can think about the Pierre Trudeau protests, and to which he responded by giving you know, Kelowna people in the West the middle finger, the 1988 election with uh, Brian Mulroney, uh, which was the free trade election, had some very passionate protests. Um, in fact, you know, as a, a former activist in a political party, you know, we used to arrange and organize protests. I can remember being involved with uh, obtaining Charest masks and having youth go attend Jean Charest rallies wearing Jean Charest masks with, with uh, signs that had messages on them. None of them were violent. We always kept our distance. But, you know, protest is an important part of democracy. But uh, I think you point out it it creates risk and damage when it becomes violent. And I have found these protests to be over the top and vulgar. And there's I mean, there's no excuse for throwing stuff for that matter. Does the RCMP, do you think, need to get involved here? The Prime Minister was asked about that, to Kevin. He said he's going to leave it up to them. But when passion does turn to uh, violence, when protests and passion turns to uh, violence, uh, is there a time where the police need to step in and restore some sort of order? Uh, Well, I'm sympathetic to that. Um, I've spoken to some political operatives who are involved on the uh, operations side, the tour side of campaigns, for which I don't have experience myself. Um, And their comments are that they find it surprising that the Liberals aren't detouring around, getting away from, and or using police in some instances, be it the RCMP or local police, to deal with, or the, or the Prime Minister's own personal detail, to provide safer, larger corridors for tran- transit 
for the prime minister or the media and their teams, it does raise a little bit of the specter as to what extent the prime minister likes, or I should say, is aware of the possibility of benefiting from being seen to be protested and resolute in the face of these protests. Uh, I want to be careful about over-questioning his motives, but there is a bit of a question mark there for me. All right, I want to turn our attention to the rest of this week on the campaign trail. Obviously, everybody's got Thursday circled on their calendars uh, for the first English uh, debate. Leaders out on the uh, trail today, would you expect that they uh, probably are going to curtail their schedule starting uh, tomorrow and uh, really kind of uh, be with their uh, teams getting ready for the debate? And how much is on the line, do you think, uh, Thursday with uh, the race uh, and the polls being so tight right now? Uh, well, the debate's huge, and I believe it's the only English debate, not just the first one. I stand to be corrected, but I was under the impression that they all only agreed to one per the debate commission. Um, and, and, a, and, a, and a weird component of the debate is Anna Paul, the leader of the Green Party, will be attending, and the Bloc, of course, can attend, but Maxime Bernier, the PPC, hasn't met the criteria. Um, the, the debates are important in, in great part because undecided voters, I think, are looking for clarity of policy and sincerity of vision. Um, I know the pundits and the media and, and partisans are often looking for the quote-unquote, uh, you know, the, the knockout punch or the dramatic moment. Those are way more seldom than, than people think. Um, uh, so debates are important in great part so that leaders don't make mistakes. Can they, can they win votes? Certainly. They need to look prime ministerial. They need to act prime ministerial. Uh, gas can cost votes. Um, and yes, there's no doubt that the leaders will be having a lower profile this week as they prepare, because most importantly, they need to be well-rested for Thursday night. Yeah, and how amped up is all this right now, considering not only the fact that the polls are as close as they are, but this is as short a campaign as you can have. And we're kind of already, believe it or not, into the final uh, stretches, although I think uh, a lot of the electorate are finally just starting to pay attention, maybe, Kevin, to this uh, campaign now that uh, we're past Labor Day. Yeah, I'm sympathetic, Jeff, to your, to your take on that, that, uh, you know, folks, you know, may have had one eye on the campaign. You know, I'm not sure we can argue with how many people were completely vested in it, but, you know, it was the end of summer, getting ready for school. School starts today uh, and or Thursday, depending on where one is. Um, there are whatever the 12 days, 12 days left in the campaign or so. I've kind of lost track of time in COVID world. Um, so there's not a lot of time left. As you point out, polls are pretty darn close, give or take. And we have weird regional impacts now without the Green Party running candidates. There, there are candidate lists in some 84 ridings. There are weird regional splits across the country. Uh, not only from the Greens, but just, you know, any other n number of moving parts, the NDP being strong in, in, in British Columbia and uh, Nova Scotia and, and PEI, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, I think the debate's kind of going to be a really important time where, as you point out, maybe folks will, you know, grab, grab a beverage and take a look Thursday night and see, you know, with two eyes on the TV uh, uh, or the monitor as opposed to the one I'd have had up to now. Yeah, well, everything is certainly uh, magnified with uh, some 12 days uh, to go, two weeks to go uh, left in the campaign. It's, Kevin? It's also Aaron O'Toole's really large first massive coming out because people in NMA Paul, for the matter, people just don't know him yet. Well, yes, we'll all be watching without a doubt uh, Thursday. Kevin, appreciate the time as always. Thanks so much for joining us. Take care. All right, Kevin Gadette, who is, a, is the president, sorry, of Bright Point Strategy with us. 
on the latest on the uh, campaign trail. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the ring.